Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Welcome to the second hour of Mornings with Carmen. If you missed the first hour, um, yeah, you definitely need to go back and listen to the podcast. You can find it at MyFaithRadio.com or on the Faith Radio app. Uh, I am in, well, let me ask the question first. Where in the Word are you today? Uh, I am in Matthew chapter 24. Jesus left the temple. I mean, if, you're, if your attention is not focused on what's happening in Israel, then let me encourage you to turn your attention in that direction today, um, which is how I ended up in Matthew 24 this morning. There you go. Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things? Which, by the way, when you and I look at uh, the Temple Mount today, we see upon it the Dome of the Rock, which is not the temple, obviously, that Jesus saw um, in his day. And so there's going to be some of this that I'm going to read in Matthew 24 that you're going to say to yourself, aha, Jesus prophesied it and it already has come to pass. There's going to be other portions of this text that you're going to say to yourself, mm-hmm, that has not yet happened. And will I uh, be awake and alert? Will I be looking up? on the day uh, in which that comes to pass. So there you go. Okay, so Jesus looking up the Temple Mount, um, the the second temple is up there. It's gleaming with, it's gold. It's gold around the top. It's gleaming. It's beautiful. Um, And it's, yeah, it's amazing, amazing. It's it's huge in, in terms of what the landscape of Jerusalem looks like. And he says about, um, not just the temple, but the temple mount. Um, Truly, I tell you, not one stone here will be left upon another. Everyone will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and said, tell us, when is this going to happen? And what will be the sign of your coming? Uh, Oh, and will it be a sign of your coming in the end of the age? And Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, But see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen. The end, still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places, and all these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. You'll be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and betray and hate each other. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many people because of the increase of wickedness. Uh, The love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. I would encourage you to, um, as you are mindful of the news of the day, be mindful that um, time is moving toward something, that God has a redemptive plan that is even now unfolding that he has told us uh, some of those plans, and he has certainly revealed 
um, all that is necessary for us to understand the days in which we live and proclaim the goodness of his grace in the midst of it. So let us be mindful of all of those things as we turn our attention not only to the headline uh, headline news of the day, but things that are happening um, in the warp and woof of life. So media headlines topping my list, the release of the fourth episode of season two of The Chosen. If you haven't seen it yet, mm, I can't recommend it highly enough. Next up, we've got Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families plugged in. We're going to talk about uh, what's going to be on the big screen this weekend. Joining me now, Adam Holtz from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. You can find the reviews we're going to be discussing today at PluggedIn.com. Adam, welcome back. Carmen, great to talk to you after a couple of weeks out. Yes, very robust conversations today um, on the text line about fishing. And so uh, thank you to those of you in Wisconsin letting us know that you can start fishing in Wisconsin tonight at 12.01 a.m. if you have a boat with proper lighting. There you go. Um See, this is a show about all kinds of things, Adam, not just... Well, the only, the only thing I have in Wisconsin is a brother and a best friend, and I'm sure at least <laughs> one of them has a boat, so I need to get moving. That's right. Now all you need to do is be in Wisconsin. Okay, so um, you can also start fishing for walleye uh, tomorrow in Minnesota, oh, which is how we got to this. I know, I know. Sounds so I know. great. Right? So great. I grew up. I grew up fishing every summer in northwestern Ontario, so... Uh, walleye is like my love language. Oh, <gasps> there you go. Favorite preparation yeah. of walleye. Oh, lots of butter. Just butter. Mm. Just butter in a pan. In a pan. Yeah. You know, you can throw a few breadcrumbs on there if you want to, but mm-hmm. I mean, it's just so great. You don't need to do much to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm now have a person saying, Hey, Wisconsin fishing opener actually May the first. Apparently, Wisconsin is ahead of Minnesota by two weeks. I don't know what even to say about that. Okay. Yeah, I know. if you're like, Ooh, throw, you got your ice, your ice driller mm-hmm. out and you're, you know, cutting a hole. <laughs> no, no. It's <laughs> anyway, all out. We're it's burning all okay. time. We, I know. We, I know. We got things to cover here. The Waterman. Assume Waterman. I know nothing. The Waterman. Yeah. Well, you don't know anything because this is a small movie. Uh, this is a, a really wonderful PG movie. We have a couple of those new this week, which is really unusual. It's about a family that moves to a small town. They have a young boy. He's 10. His name is Gunner, and he's got a very active imagination. He's kind of a budding graphic artist, uh, but he's got a tough family life. His dad is is in the military, is pretty damaged emotionally, pretty distant, pretty gruff, and his mom is dying of leukemia. He hears a rumor in this new town they're in of, well, it's an urban legend of a guy called wait for it, the waterman who lives in the woods, and I'll resist saying down by the river because it's just right there waiting to be plucked. Um, but uh, the waterman supposedly cheated death and is immortal, and this boy is desperate to find him because he thinks maybe, just maybe, he'll have the secret I need to save my mom. And uh, this is one of those movies where there's reality and imagination woven together in a fantastical way. And you can't always tell exactly where you're at, but it unspools. And the important thing is uh, there's not much content, just a a couple of profanities, a couple slightly creepy scenes, but a really lovely story about a young boy who would do anything to save his mom. 
And uh, nice movie, really nice movie. <laughs> um, okay, and so we're we're thumbs up to the Waterman. Now we have yeah. Finding Finding You. Yeah, Finding You. Another thumbs up. Another PG movie. Can't remember the last time two non not Christian movies that were PG came out the same week. This never happens. This is a rom com, romantic comedy about a young woman who uh, she tries to get into a prestigious music school. She's a violinist. She doesn't get in. She decides to go spend a semester in Ireland. On the way there, on the plane, she's sitting next to, as fate would have it, the world's most eligible, famous celebrity bachelor movie star. Uh, she doesn't really care a whit about him, and he is very taken by the fact that she doesn't care a whit about him. And they develop sort of a slow burn kind of romance. Two things of note here. It is a romance, but it's not that's really not the primary focus of the movie. It's really about these two people discovering important things about their identity. Uh, and in most of these movies, PG, PG-13, they may not be graphic or explicit. Usually people end up in very intimate situations, if you know what I mean. That doesn't happen here. Again, it's remarkable that uh, this movie doesn't go there. So a little bit of profanity, a, a little bit of innuendo. There are some tabloids that suggest this guy is kind of a player. But other than that, another movie with not much content uh, and a really – it's a really nice romance movie. Hmm. Okay. Um, how about The Mitchells versus The Machines? Yeah, The Mitchells versus The Machines is an animated movie on Netflix about a family that uh, is very anti-tech. They're kind of old school. Uh, and they are driving their daughter cross country to drop her off in California for college. And along the way, a tech apocalypse happens. Wi-Fi gets shut down. Everybody who can't live without Wi-Fi basically turns into a zombie and robots attack everything. Uh, so it's sort of like a zombie movie, uh, Terminator and Phineas and Ferb all mushed together. Um, another pretty great movie with one caveat, um, about, a family trying to connect, even though they're they're navigating some differences. One of the differences that they end up navigating in the closing credits is we find out this girl has developed a relationship with another woman in college. Uh, and so, as we have talked about repeatedly, that's just something that's coming at us. It feels like from every direction now. So know that that's in the credits, but it's it's unusual that other than some robot peril. Um, that the biggest content issue in this movie happens practically after the movie is over. All right. Um, next, we're going to talk about um, someone whose father is utopian and his mother is Grace. Is that correct? Yeah, that is okay, correct. Okay, we're going to take a break. We're going to take a break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about someone whose father is utopian and his mother is Grace. Mm-hmm. That's up next from Mornings with Carmen. It's National Dance Like a Chicken Day, so let's get those little little cluckers up. And then you put your hands under your armpits for the next part, and you flap your wings. And then you wiggle your chicken tail, your chicken tail feathers. Okay, so it is National Dance Like a Chicken Day. You need a dance party in your life. Today's the day to host one. That's what I have for you. I'm here for you, Adam. I, I know that I'm, you I'm don't inspired. go on, on radio shows often where you are inspired to dance like a chicken, but this is that show today. First time. 
first time. First time. First time for everything, man. Okay. Thousands of interviews, but this is the first time that's happened. See, and I feel like I feel like that's notable. I you'll never forget me. Okay, so let's talk about um Jupiter's legacy. How do you live up to your identity if your father is utopian and your mother is Grace? Well, it's hard. I mean, mm-hmm. this is this is really a family drama that is cast in the form of a superhero story. Uh, and as you said, Jupiter's legacy is about, you know, this patriarch and matriarch. Utopian is sort of like uber Superman. I mean, he's Superman with a cherry on top. And what I mean by that is not only is he incredibly powerful, um, but he is deeply, deeply committed to um, – we'll say righteousness for lack of a a better term. Um, I mean, he's just, he does things the right way and he wants his children to do things the right way. He says, service, compassion, mercy. Those are the words we live by. That is our code. Uh, And at one point he even says a prayer, which, uh, you know, he's saying a blessing before dinner and says, we ask your blessing through Christ, your son. So, I mean, how often do superheroes name check Jesus in a respectful way? Pretty much never. Um, his kids are having a hard time living up to his legacy because, well, they're not as good as he are. And his wife, Grace, is is similarly virtuous. Um, and so it's, you know, what do we do when dad's perfect and we're not? And honestly, great concept, but this is an M-rated show. So mm-hmm. we have a lot of content. We have a lot of really gratuitous violence, a lot of profanity. Uh, and when we review something early on, we don't always know what's coming next. So mm-hmm. there's not a lot of sexual content at this point, but that could certainly show up here as well. Um, interesting show, but certainly not one for the faint hearted and, and enough here that the, you know, the, the liabilities probably outweigh the assets by a couple of notches. And one that maybe we want to wait and see what unfolds and then uh, and then decide which episodes of it to watch and um, and watch them in advance of watching them uh, with our kids if we choose to do so. And kids here aren't kid kids like we're talking here. I think. uh, Yeah. Yeah, Right. Because it's it's good for conversation, um, but definitely content that is. um, Yeah. Probably explicit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. Do we want to do together together or do we want to jump topics? I want to jump to topics. I want to talk to? about Billy Billy Eilish for just a minute. Love it. All right, talk about Billy Eilish <laughs> for just a minute. So Billy Eilish is probably the most important young teen singer on the scene right now. She has built her brand, if you will, playing against type. She wears baggy jumpsuits. She has green hair. I mean, she, it's kind of a punk rock attitude. Well. Well, it was, I should say. She just posed for Vogue in a pretty revealing photo shoot where she wears a lot of lingerie, and that's stirring up all sorts of conversation. Um, I, I think one thing I want to observe there is that even singers who say you know, they want to be role models, they want to do it a different way, most of them eventually go this direction. I mean, it sort of feels like you will be assimilated. And they almost always say it's their own idea as opposed to uh, no, you're just being conformed to the way of the world, as Paul talked about in Romans 12. Here's what I want to point out, though. I don't want to just bash Billie Eilish, although I suppose I kind of am. She says in this article, and this is explaining her sort of 
style change. It's all about what makes you feel good. And I thought, man, that might be the most succinct eight word summary of our culture without Christ. Maybe that I have ever heard. Uh, I'm going to write an article about it. I may write a book about it because that's the worldview. Uh, you know, if you want to wear a baggy jumpsuit because it makes you feel good, great. If you want to pose in lingerie because it makes you feel good, great. I mean, again, it's it's an evaluative lens that says the only thing that matters are your emotions in a given moment. And you and I have lived long enough to know and read enough of the Bible to know that is a bankrupt worldview, but it's one that's very appealing. So the um, the Vogue piece is actually leads with the quote. It's all yes, about what does. makes uh, makes you feel good. Um, Billie Eilish on new music, power dynamics, and her internet breaking transformation. The subhead is uh, uh, equally um, provocative. Voice yeah. of a generation. Avatar of internet mega fame, icon of beauty of body positivity, a lot rests on Billie Eilish's 19-year-old shoulders. The pop superstar speaks up about her latest transformation, new music, and living life on her own terms. And then, yes, complimented by uh, a photo of her in lingerie and and a wig. Yes. That's right. And yeah. it's not yeah. as lingerie goes, I, you know, I suppose you could say it's relatively conservative lingerie. But when somebody has only worn a baggy jumpsuit up to this point, it's definitely more revealing than where she has been. In the oh, yeah. Past. It's, def- it's got it's like a Marilyn Monroe vibe. The whole thing yeah. has a Marilyn Monroe throwback yeah, vibe. Yeah. No, there's no that's question. Exactly about it. right. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, again, yeah. I, I think that the message that's being sent here is one. It's impossible to miss the sexualization that is happening here. And, you know, her explanation is I can do whatever I want and this is what I want to do right now. And it makes me feel good. And, um, it's like, Oh man. Uh, And for people who are doubting, yeah, I know, but for people who are doubting that anybody is paying attention to this person, um, within six minutes, her Instagram posts reach a million likes, which is the right. fastest out there. Like that's a speed yeah. drill. She posts something on Instagram and within six minutes it has a million likes. Um, yeah. Within two days, it's the third most liked post ever. Um, yeah. It's, um, you know, she hides to be free. Like this is a part of what is going on in this person's life. So there is, there's a lot to know here and it's definitely a provocative conversation for us to be having with people who are paying attention to her because why are they yeah. paying attention to her what is it about her that they feel you know connects them i mean her language is laced with profanity so it's oh, not yeah. as if adam and i are suggesting that you should be following billy eilish what we're trying to no. do is get you to recognize this is who the world is following um and if we want to understand what's going on with emerging generations this is actually a person we have to understand as well And she has said some really great things about pop culture. Like, it's not all negative. She's, I think part of the reason she has become so popular is some of the stuff she's done has been, up to this point, pretty countercultural. And and she has had some positive things to say about encouraging young women. Um, And that's why I think this particular turn feels more problematic. It's like, okay, you know, now you're sort of, bending into the mold that we all expect of a pop star in the United States. And 
And there's this rationale that, yeah, this is my choice. I'm like, well, it's not really. You, you think it is, but it's not. Yeah. All right. That's uh, we got to leave it right there. Adam Holtz from Focus on the Family's plugged in, making time for him to go do some chicken dancing today. All right. We got to take a break for break point. All right, we led off this hour by reading a portion of Matthew chapter 24. And I noted to you that when Jesus talks about um, the temple and the temple mount and it being destroyed, um, obviously the people standing there with him in that day could not have imagined nor certainly fully understood what he was talking about. Some 70 years later, when the temple was destroyed, people in that generation understood those prophetic words. Well, that's the way Bible prophecy works. There are lots of Bible prophecies that have already been fulfilled, 100%, um, but there are many others that have not yet been fulfilled. Well, some of those are being fulfilled even in our day, even in this time. We have talked with uh, New York Times bestselling author Donna Van Leer on prior occasions um, about this, uh, how these specific prophecies uh, are being understood in our generation. She actually is in the midst of... Um, a series of books, and the one we're going to talk about today is The Day of Ezekiel's Hope. Next up, Donna Van Leer. We'll be right back. This is Max Lakato. Three years into my role as senior minister of our church, a former senior minister returned to live in our city and serve on our staff. Charles Prince was 30 years my senior, Harvard-educated, and a member of the Mensa Society. I was in my 30s, a rookie, and a charter member of the Dense Society. But Charles said, there would be no tension in our relationship. I'm going to be your biggest cheerleader. And he was for 25 years until the day he died. You know, intentional encouragement has a Michelangelo impact on people. The sculptor saw the figure of David within the marble and carved it out. The encourager does the same. He sees your best self and he calls it out, not with a chisel, but with words of affirmation. This is Max Licato, and this is how happiness happens. Joining me now, New York Times best-selling author and my dear friend, Donna Van Leer. The book is The Day of Ezekiel's Hope. It is in a series of books that are unfolding from Donna. Donna, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Well, good, good morning from Donna. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. I am well. I hugged your kid yesterday. That was uh, it was a delight. Um, I love where we are um, in life, and um, and I'm so I'm so glad to know you. Like, right? I'm. Well, I feel blessed every time we get to talk. Well, I do too, and it, it's it's wonderful to be with you again this morning. Well, um, so here's what we could be reading. We could be reading this from the actual headlines, but I'm actually I'm going to read this from the first chapter of uh, of the day of Ezekiel's hope. Uh, so Israel is in this passage under attack. Uh, Israel has diminished her armament, and there's a murderous military front. 
uh, facing her. And then we read this. The, Is- the Israel Defense Forces have been ready for this coalition attack for decades, equipping advanced fighting forces and amassing thermonuclear weapons in anticipation of her enemies pushing her to the verge of mass extermination. Um, active and non-active IDF soldiers called into action. Israel's uh, defense minister, deputy minister, national security advisor, Mossad director, on and on and on, uh, stare at a wall of computers and screens inside the Ministry of Defense headquarters in Tel Aviv. My guess is that is uh, exactly what's happening today. And so talk with us. uh, Yeah, right. Talk with us a little bit about Mm -hmm. the intersection of biblical prophecy and the headline news of the day, because that's really the what you are seeking to discuss by using excellent fiction to do so to set up a conversation about biblical passages. Right, yeah, and and the book is actually set up in in kind of two parts. It is the fiction part at the beginning, and the last one quarter is the biblical teaching so that the reader can go into Scripture and find out, well, what are you talking about? There's going to be some sort of invasion against Israel. And so I kind of discussed that in, in the back part of it. But you're right. We are seeing biblical prophecy. It is leaping off of the pages of the Bible right now in headlines because the Bible tells us that all nations will come against Israel. And it is setting itself up right now for what's called the Gog-Magog War, which has not happened in the history of the world. That that invasion has not happened. We know it's not happened because it says that God himself is going to rain uh, fire and brimstone down on the enemies. And it's literally going to lap up the enemies. There's going to be a huge earthquake that happens that's going to swallow them. Uh, plays going to break out on their skin. So we know that invasion has never happened. But what we're seeing right now is getting us closer and closer and closer to that day. Of course, we don't know when that day is going to happen. But everything that's happening in Israel and the Middle East right now is just biblical prophecy coming to life. And actually, Isaiah 17 talks about Damascus completely being leveled someday. And again, Mm. that has never happened. The city of Damascus has never been leveled to the ground. Um, But we're now seeing that Hezbollah is on the move yet again, because uh, Hamas is probably draining their cache of weapons. And now Lebanon, uh, uh, Hezbollah there in Lebanon is beginning to be on the move as well. So could that be something that we see in the coming days where they're going to be firing rockets at Damascus? We don't know, but again, that's a prophecy from the Bible that could come to life in in days, months. We, do, we just don't know. And this is about reading the signs of the times in which we live. So um, you've reminded us about the unique format of these books, which is in part fiction, but it's also really um, part examination of biblical texts where these stories are um, are told in advance of them happening, and then you are telling us a story to draw us in. And I think that's a, a very interesting and a provocative way to get readers of fiction into Scripture. Um, remind us where we are in this book series, and then I'm, I'm really intrigued to hear about the feedback you got from some people who maybe didn't appreciate that you wanted them to be reading what the Bible said um, because they just re- really wanted to read a good fiction story. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, the second the second book is really the, the rise of the one world government that the Bible talks about, 
and we see that happening right now, Carmen. We see all these leaders who who actually will use similar words. They'll call it the Great Reset. We need to be more one world minded. So they'll use this uh, vernacular that the Bible tells us is going to happen, where everybody has just come together, and they're going to come together really under one leader. But in this particular book, we see the formation of this government, and it has several leaders, so we see that formation, but we also see uh, the two witnesses that are in Jerusalem, and those are found in the book of Revelation, and they prophesy, they preach right there in Jerusalem, and these are not going to be grandfatherly-type men, Carmen. These men are going to be in your face, telling you your sins, telling you that your sins separate you from the Lord Jesus Christ, and you need to to come clean before him. And the Bible tells us that these men are going to be able to inflict whatever plague they want at any time that they want at that particular time of their prophesying. So these are going to be the most hated men in America. It's the only time that rejoicing is found in the book of Revelation is when these two men finally die. And Mm. it says that the world rejoices and they actually give gifts to one another like, oh, hallelujah, they're dead. Now we can continue to do whatever we want. So this book, again, shows their rise, this rise of the government, but it also shows the activity of a few of the 144,000 who are Jewish evangelists who are protected and sealed by the Lord God himself so that nothing can happen to them during this time of tribulation. And they're going to be out preaching the gospel. And that is truly going to be the biggest revival in the history of the world is what's going to happen in the future. So, Donna, when we come back from a very brief break, I'm going to um, I'm going to ask this question, but I'm going to ask it now to tee it up. OK, Donna sounds like she actually believes the things that the Bible uh, says are going to happen. Like Donna sounds like she really believes they're going to happen. So I want to talk with you about um, our expectations of the fulfillment of prophecy and how we can be utterly confident that God is going to do what God has said he is going to do, and things are going to happen, and it's our responsibility in this generation to be looking up and paying attention um, to all of those things. So I'm going to continue my conversation with author Donna Van Leer in just a moment. We are talking uh, about and around the Day of Ezekiel's Hope. It's the second book in uh, this very provocative series um, uh, related to you know the end times and what the Bible has to say about all of it. We'll be right back. All right, Donna Van Leer and I are talking about the Day of Ezekiel's Hope. It is the second book in a series that she has written related to biblical prophecy, the days in which we live, um, and our expectations as believers living into those. You can also check out the Looking Up podcast. You can go to DonnaVanLeer.com and find the uh, Things Are Looking Up podcast with uh, somebody whose voice you already know, and that would be me. So there you go. Um, Donna, let's, um, let's talk about the question that I guarantee you has popped into some people's minds as you are talking. Donna sounds like she believes the things in the Bible are actually going to happen. 
Yes, <laughs> they would be correct. I do. <laughs> because the the Bible, Carmen, and you know this, the Bible is the only ancient religious text that has even one fulfilled prophecy. Okay, but not only does it have one, it already has 500 fulfilled prophecies, things that God said, okay, this is going to happen. And they actually have happened. There is no other religious text in the world that even has one fulfilled prophecy. They don't even come close. So that alone tells you that God is who he says he is, and he is going to do what he says he's going to do. So we know that if 500 have already been fulfilled, well, then all the others that are yet to be fulfilled are going to be fulfilled, and they won't be fulfilled at, oh, 55% accuracy, you know, 82% accuracy. They're going to be fulfilled with 100% accuracy. And I brought up earlier the leveling of Damascus from Isaiah 17. We know that is going to happen. It never has happened, but God says it is going to happen. So we, we can count on that. One day, Damascus will be no more, just as it is written. We know that one day... All nations will come against Israel. We know that one day that eastern sky is going to split and every eye is going to see Jesus Christ, either either as Lord and Savior of their life or as someone who is bringing the wrath of God to earth in final judgment. Hmm. You... Um... You open the uh, the second portion of the book, uh, which is the where in the word portion, um, with this uh, reference to a thrashing time. And you tell this really great story about a thrashing snake. Can you mm-hmm. can you briefly tell that story here? Because I felt like, Donna, that was a real gift in terms of my worldview. Mm-hmm. Yes, that story is actually from our friend Carolyn Ahrens, and many of your listeners probably recognize her name. She's a singer and songwriter and lives in Canada. And when she was a little girl, they would obviously have Mission Sundays where missionaries would would come home and teach. And there was a missionary couple from a steamy jungle somewhere, and they were saying that they were in their home when they looked in this enormous snake made their way, made its way into their home. They ran out of their home. They found a local villager. He ran in and he chopped the head off of the snake. And he came out and he said, I've chopped the head off of the snake, but it's going to take it a while before it realizes that it's dead. So they had to stand out there in this tropical heat And they had to listen to this enormous snake thrashing about their home. They could hear it knocking against walls and cupboards and shaking things. And they stood out there for the longest time when both the husband and wife both got a mutual epiphany. And the husband said, don't you see what's happening? He's already a goner, but he doesn't realize it. Satan is just like that big old snake. He's a goner. But right now he has to do as much damage as possible in his thrashing time. And that's yeah. where we are right I just, now. It's so incredible, right? Satan's head's already been crushed, but he's still mm-hmm. thrashing around in the world. And that is, right. 
I, I got to tell you, that was that's just such a that's a good mental hook where I can hang things um, when I mm-hmm. when I see them in the headline news, when I experience them in my own life. That's going to be a really good place for me to hang things. I'm going to hang it on the thrashing snake story. And I'm going to say, this is just evidence. I'm going to remember Satan's head has already been crushed. This is just evidence that he's still thrashing about in the world. It's so helpful. Right. It is. And we have to remember, he knows his time is short. He knows he has a limited time. But we also know that Jesus told us himself, when you see all these things begin, begin to happen, not just when they're happening, when they begin to happen. He says, lift up your heads, look up, because your redemption is near. So we know that during this thrashing time, and oh my goodness, there's so much going on, we can't even keep up with it, Carmen. We all we all have fatigue. It just, it, it thrashes about us so much. Um, but we know that our redemption is near, and that we're getting closer and closer and closer to the return of Christ. And that's why it's so important for us to share that good news of salvation right now, not fear. The church has to stop spreading fear. The church needs to wake up, stop spreading the fear, and start spreading the gospel message of salvation in Jesus Christ, because our redemption is so very close. Donna, um, you and I are both uh, aware that not everyone who is a casual Christian gets this. Um, talk for a moment about you know how we live in the in the midst of a culture where so many people claim to be Christians but frankly have no appetite for the kind of conversation we're having right now. Right, I have this conversation a lot with so many friends, and it is so important to stay in the Word. It's an, it's important. Number one, turn off the news because it is toxic. It is poisonous. Yes, we can read some headlines. But once you once you start getting in there, you know, Carmen, you go down so many rabbit holes, and it's toxic for your soul, <laughs> for your spirit. You've got to turn that off. And, you know, even Christian radio plays into this a bit. So we have to be so very aware of what we're listening to and what we're getting into our spirit. And if we feel that, even if we're listening to Christian radio, it's like, oh, man, this make me, this is starting to make me feel bad again. Just Turn it off and focus on the Lord. Get into the Word. Really start digging into the Word. Start studying those prophecies that show you exactly where we are today. And deepen your prayer walk with the Lord. Again, shut off the distractions and the noise. I'm not saying that we should not be aware because obviously I'm aware of what's going on in the world. Um, I think we have to be aware. We need to be aware because when we see those headlines, we're like, okay, I got my prayer list today. And then later in the day, you read some more headlines. All right, I got some more prayer items I've got to take before the throne today. So we just have to stay in the Word, and we really have to have a group of people around us who love the Lord, who are walking with the Lord, who aren't complacent, who aren't apathetic, who aren't uh, standing around with their heads in the sand, not wanting to know what's going on. We've got to have those people around us because as iron, you know, sharpens iron, that's who we need to be with. So I can't emphasize enough, just keep walking with the Lord because Jesus himself said, when I return, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith 
on the earth. He didn't say, will I find fear? Will I find my people crumpled into corners somewhere, um, wringing their hands in fear over what's happening? Or am I going to find faith? And I want to be one of those where Jesus finds faith, Carmen. I want my family to be faith-filled, faith-filled. I want us to be looking up because we know that our redemption is near. Yeah, we see Satan thrashing about. We know exactly what he's up to. He he fights dirty, Carmen. He is a dirty fighter, and he wants to take down you, and he wants to take down little ones. He targets babies in the womb. So he is a dirty fighter, and you have got to be prepared as a fighter yourself, as a warrior in the Lord, you can't go out into the world without being a warrior for the Lord right now. Amen. Donna Van Leer, um, thank you as always so much. You guys can uh, find Donna online. Uh, You can find The Day of Ezekiel's Hope um, everywhere books are sold. Thank you to our friends at Harvest House Publishers. This is an excellent work. Um, Donna, blessings uh, blessings on you as you stand firm in your faith and in the Lord. And I am one who is thankful to be doing life with you as uh, a fellow, fellow ambassador of Christ and warrior for the Lord. Grateful for you, Carmen. So appreciate time this morning. It's just so mutual. All right. That is Donna Van Leer. You can find her online at Donna Van Leer. Dot com. All right, friends, that's all the time we have here today. Let's move into the weekend as people who are full of grace and full of truth, full of hope. Let's be people who are walking our faith out into the world that God so loves and do so in ways that honor Jesus. Um, and, you know, yeah, I know it's the fishing opener. Let's go out there and be fishers of men this weekend. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.